Good morning, church family. Before I get started, I I just want to tell y'all, y'all are truly blessed by the wonderful piano player you have and the wonderful worship leader you have. You don't know how much that means to a preacher or to a pastor to have people who can set the mood of worship in a service before you walk up here. It means a whole lot. I've been in a lot of churches that didn't have any of it. Amen? So you appreciate them, you thank them, you hug their necks, and you tell them how wonderful they are. Amen? Let's try that again. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Uh, This morning... I'd like to talk to you about allowing God to lift you up out of this world. A couple of years ago, I did a series of sermons out of the um, Gospel of Mark. And one thing that struck me as I was doing this series was through the whole gospel, you will notice that Jesus was, I mean, he was preaching to the crowds and to everything, but he was focusing basically on lifting those 12 disciples up out of the world and closer to God. Over and over again, you see that. He was trying to teach them they had to let go of this world of flesh and allow God to lift them up out of this world. These men, at least 11 of them, were going to be responsible to carry on the ministry of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, after he was gone. They were the embryo of what? church. And that responsibility has been passed down, not to the pastors, but to the church. And when I say church, I mean the people of the church. This is a wonderful building. It's a beautiful building. I love stained glass windows, so I feel really at home here. But this building is not the church. Amen? You are the church. If you don't think your responsibility for the ministry of this church, read Ephesians 5. The pastor's responsibility is to train the people in the service of God, to go out and reach people for Christ. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Hebrews 11. And I'm going to read Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. And we're going to see how God can lift us all up out of this world of flesh into a spiritual world. You might call it the sphere of the holy that will lead us to himself. Now, 
if you're familiar with Hebrews 11, it's usually talked about as the roll call of faith. And you see, you know, by faith, Abel offered to God, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, so on and so forth. And then starting with verse 13, there is a bit of a conclusion to all these by faith. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now, key words there, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It says these, talking about these men and women of faith, those who lived for God and those who died for God. All these died in faith, not having received the promises. What were the promises? The promises of God. The promise of the coming Messiah. The promise of the Savior. A promise of salvation. To have their sins washed clean. They died believing and trusting in God's word that he was preparing for them a Savior to come and cleanse them of their sins, to wash them clean. You see, in some ways, we have it a lot easier than they did. They were having faith in the promises of God, looking forward to a future event. We can sit here this morning and know that event has already taken place. It's a done deal. Amen? Jesus came. Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood. He died. He was buried and raised again in newness of life. And we have that hope. We have that assurance Matter of fact, it goes on to say, all these died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, future, were assured of them. They trusted God's word. This is, in the Greek, is an absolute statement. They were assured of the promises of God. They believed, they trusted, they had no doubt whatsoever. It was absolute And not only were they assured of them, they embraced them. They embraced that hope. They embraced the peace that that brought to their lives. They embraced it. They didn't shy away from it. I remember talking to a young man in a Sunday school class many years ago. And he made a statement that just absolutely shocked me. 
He told the Sunday school class, he says, you know, I've worked in the same job with the same people for 21 years, and none of them know I'm a Christian. Does that shock you? Should that shock you? Could you be with somebody five days a week, eight, ten hours a day, and them never know that you're a Christian? You didn't display it. You didn't talk it. You didn't act it in any way that they said, well, I don't know what you've got, but you've got something I don't have. What is it? Well, I've got Jesus. But see, these people, these people of faith, all people of faith, have received the same promise, and we don't have to look for it afar off. It's already behind us. Amen? It's already done. And we're assured of our salvation if we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. If we accept Him, again, as Lord and Savior, We can embrace that. And when I mean embrace, it means we take it in and we make him part of who we are. Amen? You know, we were talking about Sunday school class this morning. If you have struggles with something in your life, God is telling you what you need to do to get rid of these sins in your life that you're struggling with as you pour more of Jesus in, and as you pour more and more of Jesus into your life, it will push out the things that are not of God. Amen? It works. How do we do that? We do that through God's Word. We do that through prayer. And it's something that needs to be done on a daily basis. Not something occasionally. I need to pour in Jesus every day because the Word tells me. It says, I don't know what I'll be like when I, when I get to heaven, but I know I'm going to be like Him. They embrace it. They embrace Him. They take Him into their lives. They embraced them and confessed. I was real proud of y'all this morning. Y'all did a little shouting as they were, as you were singing. You got a little noise in here, and praise the Lord. It's okay. Be excited for Jesus. Be excited for your salvation. Be excited for the promise of heaven, the presence of God. and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Here's where it gets a little different. When we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, really receive him as Lord and Savior, I don't mean just walking an aisle, making a confession, and then going about your life just like nothing ever happened. When we accept Jesus into our lives, 
It changes the nature of who we are. When, when, when it says here that, that they were strangers, they were no longer of the same nature as those who are in the world in their times. They, they've taken on a new nature. They're a new creation. They're a new man and woman in Christ. They are new people. They no longer have this animal nature, this nature of flesh. This nature of survival at the fittest. I have to go out and get what I want. If I have to take it from you, that's okay because that's what I need to do, survive. They now have a new nature. And with that new nature comes a new, we'll call it a worldview. A Christian, no, not Christian worldview, a godly worldview. That they were strangers. They are, they're still in this world. We're still, you still in the world? We're, you're still here. But we realize as we walk with Jesus, we don't belong here. These other people, they aren't my family. This, these people, you are my family. This is where I belong. This is where I fit in. I'm a stranger to those out there. Yeah, I was once just like them. But now I'm a new man in Christ. I'm not like them anymore. When I got saved, really saved, I was working, that's better now, isn't it? I was working at Shepherd's Auto Supply downtown Roanoke. I don't know if y'all remember that place. It's not there anymore. And I worked the counter down there. And there were a bunch of guys there. And yet, auto parts place. Sort of grungy, sort of, what's the right word? Barbaric? I could, I could say worse, but I, I'm being nice. When I got saved, funny thing happened. I didn't get invited to the parties anymore. I didn't get invited to go out and eat dinner or have a few beers or anything like that anymore. At first, it sort of hurt my feelings, to be honest with you. People had known a lot of my life, who had been parts of my life for years, not just at work, but outside. No longer want anything to do with me. But a funny thing started to happen. When these people had troubles, they would sort of come to me, you know, discreetly. Wouldn't want to be caught with somebody like you. Wouldn't want people to start talking. 
But they say, you know, I'm going through some stuff. Would you, would you pray for me? I say, sure. I'll pray for you right now. No, 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 it's all right. You know, just when you get a chance, pray for me. I said, sure, be glad to. They could see something different in me. Now, the natures clashed because they had this nature of the flesh, and I had a new nature. I didn't belong to that family anymore. But when they had troubles, they saw something in me that they didn't have. And they wanted me to intercede for them, which I did in prayer. But what they really need was to go to God themselves and have Christ. They were, these people died in faith. They were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Pilgrims or sojourners. Now, when God calls you out of the world, he calls you to a path, a way. Amen? You understand that, right? That path, that way is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen? Now, the path is narrow, so you both stay focused on who you're following. But you will also notice that the path always seems to be leading up. Not down, it's up. Because it's leading you out of the world of the flesh into the spiritual realm, the sphere of the holy, as I heard someone put it one time. And as you, let me read it. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If I could say I had a spiritual life verse, one. Somebody asked me one time, what part of Scripture do you like best? And I usually tell them what I'm, whatever I'm reading at the time, amen. But I've always liked these two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Considering what Jesus did for you, he went to the cross, he died, he suffered, he bled for you, and it's your reasonable, reasonable service to serve him. Amen? Then he goes, says, goes on, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that what is, what that is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you are, as God pulls you up out of the muck and the mire of this world, as he draws you closer and closer to his presence, to that sphere of the holy, as you, as, as you put in Jesus through, through the word and through the prayer, He's transforming you 
into the likeness of his son. But think about it. That makes perfectly good sense because we were all created in the image of God. Amen? And one of the things Jesus did when he came and walked on this earth was to reveal to all of us what the image of God in the flesh should look like. Right? And so he's transforming us by the renewing of our minds into the likeness of his Son that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that you can reveal to them out there that this is what God desires for us all. Now here's something. Let's go on to 14. For those who say such things declare plainly Plainly to who? God already knows. You're declaring it to those around you, to the world. That they seek a homeland. Again, this world is not our home. If you feel comfortable here in this world, then you need to get together with God and check your salvation. Amen? I'm sorry. You know, I don't mean to step on your toes. What I really mean to do is stomp on them. Amen? Because if you feel comfortable in this world, if you feel comfortable with the people of the flesh in this world, if you consider them brothers and sisters and part of your family, then you can't be part of the family of God. You're not a new creation yet. You're not being transformed. Your life should declare plainly that you seek a better place. You have a hope in that one day we're going to leave this world and enter into the presence of God. Transformed. Washed clean. Holy. Pure. Acceptable to God. And we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And truly, 15, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have an opportunity to return. Here's a pitfall that churches fall into, that Christians can fall into, and preachers can fall into. Now, I've had several people in this church have spoken to me about what great things God has done in this church in the past. And that's wonderful. We should be thankful for the great things God has done in this church in the past. Amen? But you can't move forward as a church if you're looking back at the past. God is wanting to do great things in this church now. He's not going to take you back to what was. 
He's going to move you forward to what he wants to do with this church now. If you're looking back, you'll never, this church will never, you, you don't know how many times I've heard people say something to this effect. I'll ask them, why do you keep doing whatever program or whatever it is? Well, you know, 20 years ago, that really brought the people in. I said, well, that's wonderful. What's it doing now? Well, nothing. Why do you keep doing it? Well, you have to understand, 20 years ago, it really did something. Well, you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah, God did some great things with you in the past. That's wonderful. But you can't live in the past. I'm driving the sound people crazy back there. Or crazier. And it, it, it's not just looking back and seeing the good. Here's a pitfall preachers can fall into. A bad experience with a church. You know, you mean churches and pastors have bad experiences? Well, yeah. Sometimes you just don't fit. Sometimes you just see things differently. And sometimes that just don't want to change. Well, you know, we've never done it that way before. Well, so? What you're doing now is not working. Why don't you try something different? Now, I'm not talking about compromising the truth of God's Word, but you can do it in different ways. You can reach people. Who's the mission field of this church? It's those people right outside these doors. Those are the ones you want to reach. It's the ones within five, ten miles of this church that you want to bring in those doors. God says, don't worry about what you did in the past. We did some good things in the past. Don't get me wrong. You should be proud of those things. But you can't live there. You've got to move forward. And if you're following me and if you're trusting me, we'll follow and do great things now. Jesus told the disciples, he says, greater things you will do than I did. If you want to reach your community, you have to go out there and get them. You got to go out and embrace them. You got to go out and demonstrate Jesus to them. You got to show them a new nature, a new way, a new way to look at the world. Now, pastors have to be careful. They had a bad experience, and now they say, oh, I just give up the whole thing. Those people, they're just hard-headed. You should hear what other preachers say to each other about congregations. Mm. And they can look back and see 
you know, how it didn't work. It was sort of bad. And they can dwell in the past too and not move forward. God has a new path for them too, a new way. But they have to let go of the stuff in the past so they can move forward. So it says, And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have an opportunity to return. If we still stay focused. You remember when Moses led people, the Jewish, the Hebrews out of um, Egypt? They got out in the wilderness. Oh, we don't have any water. Oh, we don't have anything to eat. A bunch of whiners. Oh, back in Egypt, we had all this good stuff to eat, onions and turnips and, gee, their bar for good stuff is sort of low as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, they were looking back at what they had in Egypt instead of looking forward to where God was taking them to the promised land, land with milk and honey. A lot of them didn't make it. Last verse. I know, my wife's already telling me I'm going too long. It's God's time. But now. That's a key phrase. See, they aren't the same people. They don't have the same nature. They are new creations. But now, they said, if they aren't following Jesus, if they haven't accepted Christ as, as their Lord and Savior, even looking for, forward, Messiah, they, they, if they keep looking back to what they're leaving behind, they'll be like Lot's wife. You know, she looked back and, with longing what she was leaving in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember what happened to her? She's now in the salt shakers out here. But now, they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Their worldview, their desire, their hearts, their minds has been transformed. They have a God. You know what godly wisdom is? Read Proverbs. I won't read the whole thing to you this morning, but read Proverbs. Godly wisdom is seeing and hearing and acting and reacting to things the way God would. Amen? That's godly wisdom. When we can go out and see these people out here, as lost sinners that God wants to save and embrace them in love, true love. Doesn't matter where they're coming from. Doesn't matter what kind of people they are. Doesn't matter what color they are. Doesn't matter what religious background they have or didn't have. Doesn't matter their economic standards. None of that matters. God sees people in only two ways, lost and saved. And that's, what, that's the vision, we, that's the wisdom we should have. 
to see as Jesus sees, to hear as Jesus would hear, and to act like Jesus would act towards those who need to be saved. But now, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why? Because we share the same nature as God, the image of God. We're part of the family of God. We, we're home. And God will look down and say, you know, I see Jesus in that man or that woman. They share the same nature. Welcome, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I can't think of words any more beautiful than that. And I'm looking forward to hearing them when my service to God on this earth is done. And it's not yet. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Thomas Wolfe, you know who Thomas Wolfe is? He was a writer back in the um, 40s, 30s, and 40s. Um, one of his last books was titled with a phrase that probably pretty well known. It, it, it was titled, You Can Never Go Home Again. We usually hear it as, you can't go home again. And it's true. I can never return to the world. Now, I still have to trudge through it. I still, it's still muck and mire, and I need my feet washed, and a little rest of me washed by Jesus occasionally. He still needs to fill me more and more, because it's not all good in there. Even after 35 years, it's not all good in you either. And the wisdom of God is in us. The nature of God is in me. The image of God is on us, has been restored by the salvation of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them in his presence. We can't go home again, but I don't want to go to the home I left. place that I've never been before, a new home where I can fit in, where I will fit in, where I'll be part of the family 
and that is in God's presence. God wants to get you there, but you have to allow him to be able to lift you up out of this world. You have to surrender self to him. You gotta let go. And as my wife says, let go and let God. He will lift you up out of this world. He will transform your life, the renewing of your mind. He will make you a new creation as he created you in in the first place. Image of God. Jesus showed us what it looked like. Now we all have to do is get there. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, what you, the journey, the pilgrimage you started in my life some 30, what, three, four years ago when I was sitting in a pew not much different than these pews. Our preacher was preaching, but I didn't hear the preacher. I heard Jesus speak to me, and he said, follow me. Follow me. I didn't know where you wanted to lead me. But I did know I trusted him. And I followed him. And I'm still following him. There are times when we all wander just a little bit. Sometimes we get off the path. We, we trip and we fall. But Jesus is there to lift us up, brush us off, get us back on the path, going in the right direction. If you're here today and haven't, if you don't have that true relationship with Christ, if you haven't accepted him, not only as your Savior, but as your Lord, if he's not working with you, transforming you, if you're not growing and maturing, if you're not starting to bear any fruit, Come and we pray, we'll pray together that God would touch your life, that God would get you back on that path, that God would transform you into the likeness of his son. If you've never accepted Jesus, I can show you right here in God's word how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have the promise of a homeland and a family when you step out of this world you will step into God's presence and he will welcome you home you just have to surrender to him if you just need prayer for something in your life that you're going through right now I'd be glad to pray with you or for you just come don't be shy don't let pride 
Well, people see. They'll know something's wrong in our life. We all got stuff wrong in our lives. You're not unique. Don't let anything of this world hold you back. The altar's always open. I'll be standing out front. Our worship leader will lead us in a closing song. Please come. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing our closing chorus.